0: good to see everybody this morning. Um, We are uh, in one of my favorite times of year, partly because I love fall, but also because we move into a season of growth as a church. Uh, One of the things that we've done since I got here is we do a fall growth campaign, and really what that's intended to do is get us all on the same page, go in the same direction together, uh, in the direction that God's calling us. You know, one of the things that, uh, one of the things that draws me to be a part of the church. Oh, by the way, children can be dismissed upstairs. I forgot to say that. My wife wants me to say that. Um, if you've got kids, we've got a program going on. Uh, they're certainly welcome to stay in here too. I don't mind, but there there is uh, adults up there ready to help them hey, um, or teach them. Um, so anyway, we moved into, uh, we have a growth campaign. And the, again, the goal is part of what makes me want to be a part of the church. And that is that I'm with a group of people headed somewhere. You know, like we're going somewhere. There's something that God has for us to do, and so that's part of what uh, gets me um, excited about being a part of the church. And so, uh, and so that's really what the fall is designed to do is to help us. Oh, you're not upstairs, but there are people upstairs. Yeah, sorry, I just saw my wife sitting here and I realized I just said she was upstairs. Okay, the kids are not up there alone. They're they're. Sorry, I'm a li- I could be a little ADD sometimes. Okay, so, so here's the deal. We're growing together, we're going somewhere together, and that's important uh, because really God has called us uh, to that. Um, we certainly are a part of a church for a lot of reasons, and today I want to look at that a little bit. Why does the church exist? Why did God create the church? I think that's an important question to ask. But as we move into uh, this fall, we want to grow together uh, heading somewhere. And so the first fall that I was here, we did a a campaign called Be the Message. And it really was about uh, God's calling on our lives to represent him in the world that we live in. That we're not just coming to church to express our Christian faith. But really, we come to church to be uh, energized, to be encouraged, to, to, to learn and to grow, but also to head out into the world that we live in to make a difference, to represent God there and to help other people. And so that was Be the Message. And then last year, we focused in on uh, discipleship, and we did a series a fall campaign called Be a Disciple. And we've looked for the last year at what it means to be a disciple and, and the call of Jesus on our lives. You know, first we come along uh, and we're, we're in, called to come and see. And Jesus did that to people. Hey, come and see what I'm doing. And so at some point, somebody invites us to come to church or to, to have a conversation about God and about what Jesus is all about. And so that's where it starts for us. And then the second step, the second chair we call it, is, a, is to be a follower. And that's where we come to realize that we have a need for, for God in our lives and we have a need for his forgiveness, right? And so we step into a relationship with God and we start following and we grow. And then the third chair is a, a step where we get involved in serving. We recognize that uh, we need to receive, but we also need to give back and, and to be a part of giving. And so we learn to serve. And then ultimately we answer the call of Jesus to be a disciple maker, which is to help someone else through that same process. And so we looked at that this last year, that this is really the call of Jesus on us. Um, again, Part of that process is to come to church and to learn, but it really is to get out of the seat and grow. And so that was last year. Well, this year, um, way back in January, prayerfully considering what God might have for us this fall, what's the next step? In this journey that we're on, right? Uh, We're headed somewhere. Uh, I really felt like God was impressing on me uh, a concept, an idea, a focus that as we've gone through the year, I'm more uh, convinced of and feel more uh, just excited about is, is that God is calling us to move into a growth campaign this fall called Be the Church and to really look at what it means to be a church. And the tagline I've got is to be healthy and unified and firing on all cylinders. And we want to look at what the church is supposed to be. Why did, today I want to answer that question, why did God create the church? You know, I feel like I've been in church my whole life. I mean, I was practically, not quite, but practically born in the church, right? I mean, it, it feels that way. So I've been a part of the church and in a lot of ways, uh, you know, in serving the church and, and everything uh, for most of my life. And yet, you know, sometimes it's good to step back a minute and ask some questions like, why do we do this? What is this about? What was God's intention in the church. You know, the church I believe is Jesus gift to his followers and really to the world. That Jesus as he came and walked among us, God in the flesh, you know, he started something here. He really he started this movement and it was it was because he had nothing but love and a desire to help, right? The world and to help people and so the church was God's design no human being made this up, okay? We didn't invent it. We muddle it up a lot of times, but we didn't invent it. He came up with the idea. And so we need to tap into what was the reason that God created the church. And I believe with all every fiber of my being that the church was created on purpose for a purpose. Again, this isn't a haphazard thing. that just sort of happened. A lot of times we just, we look at the Bible, we read the New Testament, it just seems like it just happened. No, no, no. This was intentional. God had the church planned before the foundations of the earth. And and we need to understand why. Because otherwise we will get off focus. We'll get confused. We'll get misdirected. We start to think the church exists for different reasons than really what God intended. See, I believe the church was created, first and foremost, at the core. The church was created to accomplish the mission of God, to accomplish the mission of God. That's why the church was established by the Messiah, and that's Jesus. In Matthew 16, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples, and he asks that question that you should never ask, but Jesus does. What are people saying about me, right? He goes, what do people, who do people say I am? And they give some different answers, throw out some different ideas. And then Jesus says, well, who do you guys think I am? And Peter, the one who's always willing to speak, sometimes puts his foot in his mouth, says the wrong thing, right? But he just blurts out, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus is like, almost acts surprised. Peter, that's the right answer. <laughs> you know, you remember that kid in class that raised your hand with the answer was always wrong? There's always one of those people. So anyway, I, I was usually me, probably, but, but Peter, he, he gets it right. Jesus is like, whoa, Peter, you got that answer right now. The only reason you got it right is because God revealed it to you. But Peter, good job. You spoke it out and it was the right answer. And then he goes into this, uh, this statement that he makes regarding Peter, Matthew 16, 18. He says, now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. Cephas means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Jesus says, I'm going to start something here. Now, there's churches, whole groups of people that have misunderstood this verse to, to mean that Peter was the rock Jesus was gonna build the church on, right? And that's the understanding that, that many have had. Now, that's the wrong understanding of what he's saying. Jesus is using a play on words, your name is rock, right, Peter, but it's on this rock, and what Jesus is referring to is the statement he made about who he is, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. On that rock... Right? On that truth, on that person, Jesus said the church is going to be built, and there's nothing that can stop it. Powerful, powerful statement, because the church is the vehicle through which God is reaching the world. See, as soon as Adam and Eve made a decision to break God's commands and to sin, as soon as that happened, a curse of sin came over the universe And all of a sudden, they were separated from him. The relationship was broke down. And so God immediately began to move to rescue the human race. See, God was not going to tolerate being separated from his creation. And so he began to move to save them. We need to understand that Jesus the Messiah came to fulfill the promise that God made to Abraham. When God told Abraham, I'm going to make you, I'm going to give you a land, a place to live. I'm going to make you into a people, and I'm going to bless the world through you. And that blessing of the world was to send Jesus, the Messiah, through the Jewish people, right? To come and to walk among us, and to live among us, and to reveal to us who God is. And ultimately, to shed his blood, to sacrifice himself, so that we could be forgiven, and we could be reconciled to God. The relationship could be restored. See, the mission heart of God is absolutely critical for us to understand if we're going to be a part of the church. Because the church exists to accomplish the mission of God. He is working to save the world. We see this in John 3, 16 and 17. Some of the most famous verses in the Bible. When I was a kid watching NFL football in the late 70s, early 80s, right? There was always somebody that had a, a poster board that said John 3, 16 on it. It would always make it into a shot somewhere uh, in, in the in the coverage of the football games. But here's the deal. John 3, 16, we've all heard of that verse for the most part. This is what it says as a reminder, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God's mission heart, his heart to rescue, his heart to, out of love, go after his creation who had stepped away from him. And we see, very importantly, the role that Jesus filled, the, the, the reason that he came, the tone with which he came. In verse 17, says, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. There will be a day of judgment. All human beings are going to face the judgment of God, right, at the end of times. But Jesus didn't come into the world to judge the world. That wasn't the purpose behind it. But, it goes on to say, to save the world, Through Him. The church was created to rescue the pinnacle of God's creation, and that is us. The human race made in His image and made to reflect Him and His character. That's how we were designed to live. We have built into us for this reason, right? We have built into us a deep need to belong. The, The need for belonging is something that all human beings experience and feel very acutely. We do not want to be alone. Typically when we get isolated, it's because we've been hurt, it's because we've, we've struggled uh, with relationships, and we, we go there as a place of you know maybe self-preservation or defense or hurt, but it's not really what we desire to do and to be. Now some of us are introverts and we need our time alone, I get that, but, but we're designed to be with people and to know where we fit, how we belong in this life, And this deep-seated need was built into us because we are created by God, designed to be connected to Him, to have a relationship with Him. If you'll remember, God would come and walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. He he just had time with them. He spent time with them. He was with them. And it was a very natural thing. It's how He designed us. The problem is we come into this life uh, kind of as rebellious orphans. Because we're born into an existence where we're separated from God from the beginning. Um, we, We don't know Him. We're born into a world that is immersed in sin, that's cursed by sin. And so the separation we experience from birth, it really isn't something we find our way into. We're born into it. And then we personally begin to make decisions to break God's standards and to fall short of those, as the Bible says. And so we find ourselves moving further and further away from the God who created us and intends for us to be connected to him. And this creates a bigger problem for us all the time. And for the time we're born, we're trying to figure this out and, and fill this need to belong in some way. You know, Augustine, one of the old uh, fathers of the church, he, he had this idea that everyone has within their heart a God-shaped hole within them that only can be filled by discovering a relationship with the living God and entering a relationship with him. And so. We struggle to to discover where we belong and how we belong and where we fit. And that search, because we don't know God when we come into this earth, uh, takes us down dark paths and we find ourselves further and further away, struggling to fill the need, to meet the need within us, but, uh, but, but struggling to do so and getting further away from it. And so we sort of settle for some things. We find some alternatives that can turn into some real problems for us as we try to meet those needs. The truth is, though, that the Bible teaches us that belonging really is found in a relationship with God. In the writings of the Apostle John, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit wrote, uh, spoke through uh, those that wrote the Scriptures, but he wrote also from his own perspective. We get a little bit of his take on uh, Jesus and the things that Jesus said, and we get a little bit of his personality in his writings, but John said by his own admission that he was Jesus' favorite, right? He's the one that Jesus loved. And so uh, he had this close relationship with Jesus that maybe was a little different than the other disciples had. But John gives us some uh, some of the things that Jesus said, and and he gives us a a flavor of where Jesus was coming from. And in his gospel, in John chapter 6, verse 35, he recounts for us something that Jesus said that's very profound. Jesus said in this verse, he said, I am the bread of life, whoever comes to me. Will never be hungry again. Now, it doesn't really make any sense. What are you talking about, Jesus? I can eat some bread, right? Actually, I'm supposed to eat you. You're the bread of life, and I'm never gonna be hungry again. Uh, so it takes a little, uh, you stop a minute based on that statement, and you have to think about it. what's he talking about. And certainly, he's not talking about the bread that's physical bread, he's talking about the need that we have spiritually. And he's saying, listen, inside of you, your spirit, your soul, you have a great need. And I can fulfill that. I am the bread that you need to live. And if you will come and connect with me, if you'll invite me into your life, if you respond to the offer that I've given you for salvation by grace through faith, if you'll respond to that, put your trust in me, then you can experience what it means to have your soul satisfied. He goes on to use another illustration in John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Jesus having a conversation with a woman at the well about water. And Jesus says this, anyone who drinks this water, he's referring to the water in the well, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them giving them eternal life. Water and bread are uh, some of the greatest needs we have right there are core needs for survival without food we can't live very long without water even less we must have these to exist right to just live and jesus tapping into those needs we can understand physically he says you have those same needs spiritually you have a need spiritually to be connected to me you need to know where you belong you need to be in relationship with me. That's how you're going to have the deepest needs of your soul met. Jesus talking about bread um, in another verse in Scripture in Matthew 4.4. 4, you know, Jesus is, uh, goes through a period of testing where he um, fasts for 40 days. He doesn't eat. And coming out of that, the devil comes to him and begins to tempt him. This is a testing for the ministry that he's to begin. And so uh, Jesus, as the devil comes to him, the first thing he does is he says, Listen, Jesus, you're hungry. Why don't you use your God power to turn these stones into bread? You could just speak to them and turn them into bread. And then you can eat and meet the need of your body. And Jesus certainly feels this need in a powerful way. But he responds with a profound answer to the devil's temptation. Look, it's not, it's not wrong to eat bread but the devil was asking him to go around God's will and God's plan for him to use his supernatural power to meet his own needs, which is not what they were designed to do. And so in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus answers the devil by saying this, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Something really powerful about God, I heard someone giving a testimony recently saying the reason that they made a decision to follow Jesus is they came to the recognition that Jesus' words and who he is are exactly the same. There's no distinction between between who Jesus is and what he says. And that's the power, in a sense, in God's word, is that when we interact with God's word, we get to interact with God himself. There's absolute, complete fidelity between God and his words. And so Jesus saying, look... The, the bread of life that you need, right? You don't just need bread to live physically, you need that, but you need the words of God to live spiritually. Have you come to realize, have you come to realize that you need God in your life, you need Jesus in your life, you need the bread that he offers, the water that he offers, that your need for that is even greater than the bread you can get at the Garing Bakery? Or maybe even the bread you can get at the bread doctor. Torrington. Those are really good. But Jesus saying, listen, as good as those are, you have a need spiritually that if you don't fill, if you don't meet it, you're going to have a deficit in your life. See, we come into this life, our soul and our spirit, again, they're dead. They're withered and, sh- and shrunken. And they need to be brought to life. And Jesus says, I can do that. I can give you the nourishment you need to discover really where you belong. We find belonging in God. We really can't discover where we fit, how we fit. We really can't have the deepest needs of our souls met without a relationship with God through Jesus. The body needs about three quarts of water a day to operate efficiently. It helps break up and soften food. The blood, which is 90% water, carries nutrients to our cells. As a cooling agent, Water regulates our temperature through perspiration, and without its lubricating properties, our joints and muscles would grind and creak more than they already do in some of us. We need water. You need the water that Jesus gives. You need the bread of life, and you need the water that will become a spring within you. Listen, if you haven't discovered that yet, if you haven't stepped into a relationship with God, if you haven't come to God and said, listen, I know where I stand with you. I know there's sin in my life. I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I need that relationship with you repaired. If you haven't done that yet, I just want to urge you this morning to take the time to think through where you're at in your life. You will not understand why you're here until you belong and find your belonging in Jesus. There's this, relationship that's been broken, and in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul talks about how this relationship gets fixed, and he talks about this ministry of reconciliation. You know, if you get reconciled to somebody, it's when you were at odds, and you were at disagreement, and then reconciliation is coming back together and working out that rec- that, um, that, those issues so that the relationship can be restored. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says this, starting in verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God, who brought us back to himself through Christ. God brought you back to himself. He wants to bring you back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task, Paul says, speaking of himself, uh, this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the, word to, uh, the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Listen, reconciliation. You need your rela- uh, the relationship with God restored. You need to be reconciled to God. If you haven't put your trust in Christ, if you haven't trusted in what Jesus did for you on the cross to pay for your sin, then your relationship with God has not been restored. Listen, um, just being a, 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 a God-fearing person. Yeah, I believe in God. Yes, I'm, of course I'm a Christian, right? Uh, we hear that a lot in our country. It used to be that to be an American was to be a Christian. That's called cultural Christianity. That's not saving Christianity, Okay. Because Jesus said, no, 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 it's not just saying you're a Christian and believing in me. In fact, the Bible tells us even the devil believes in God. The demons believe in God. They know who he is. It's actually surrendering yourself to what God's done for you and acknowledging that you need his forgiveness. You need the work of Jesus on the cross for you, for your sin, to pay for it so that you can become right with God. And that requires a process of putting your trust in him. The word belief can be a little uh, light and a little cheap. It isn't, but it can be if we don't understand what it means. And I want it to be clear for you because you need to know that you belong to God. Are you right with him? Have your sins been forgiven? Have you been reconciled to God? I would urge you, If you have any questions about that, man, uh, anybody on staff, Ken, Ben, myself, Mary, we'd love to help you make that decision with that process. You need to have a relationship with God. You need to find your belonging in him. Once our greatest need to belong is met in Jesus, then he pulls us into community. Because belonging is found through relationship with others. You know, we see this uh, in the early church, again, as uh, the disciples uh, were huddled together in an upper room, about 120 of them, and they were scared, they didn't know what was going to happen, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost and falls on them, and all of a sudden they begin to do uh, supernatural things. They go out in the street and they start testifying to who Jesus is, that he's the Messiah, that that there's the need for forgiveness found in him. And And thousands of people make the decision to trust Christ. And this this community begins. Matthew chapter, or Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says, this is what it looked like when they came together. This group of people, all the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So they came together and they formed this strong bond because of what God was doing in their life and because of what Jesus was calling them to. And they began to see others come into this community. Your faith will not grow or be strong without Christian community. A lot of times, again, we we struggle uh, with community. We struggle with relationships. They're hard. There's a lot of things that happen that, that can... Uh, Push us or move us away from relationships, and yet the truth is, we desperately need to know that we belong. We need relationship with each other, and that's why Jesus started the church, and it's that community of people where we can find belonging. Church is called a family in the scriptures, the family of God, and uh, just like in your own family, you don't get to choose who your relatives are, right? You don't get to choose. Sometimes you wish you could, but you don't. So the church is the same way. You don't get to choose who's in the family because it's not your choice. Now, sometimes we wish God would consult us about who He's letting in, right? Hey, God, if you'd have just checked with me, I could have warned you. You know, we, we want to do that, but, or maybe we just go, if we just slow down a little bit, there's too much change going on, too many different, you know, and, I, and we get unsettled about it, and we can want to, um, to give God some advice, right, on what He's doing with His family. He lets in the people that sometimes we don't want to be around. And sometimes they end up in our church, in the same church, and then we have to wrestle with that all the time, right? At the annual family picnic, there was a young bride who took her new husband over to an older woman who was off to the side in a rocking chair knitting. And she said, Granny, I want you to meet my new husband. We just got married. And granny looked at him, with some squinty eyes for a minute, finally said, do you want to have children? He was kind of uh, a little unsettled at the question, He didn't know how to answer, sounded a little negative, but he said, well, yeah, I'd sure like to, hoping to have some kids. Granny looked around at the 12 picnic tables and all the people that were there, and she said, well, try to control that desire the truth is that sometimes things change a little bit too much for us and we can be a little uncomfortable with what God's doing but we need each other we need to be a part of a community we're not going to thrive in isolation Jesus didn't start uh, a movement of a bunch of individuals going out and doing his work he started a community and the reason is because we need to belong we need to know where we belong our need for belonging is hardwired into us it's a deep-seated need, and so we've got to discover where we fit. In fact, the Bible teaches us that the family of God is a little bit works a little bit like this. That God, we we know what adoption is, and that's kind of the description of how we get into the family of God. That we're adopted in by God. In Ephesians one, verses three through five, it's described this way: All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united. With Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus, through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Christian community uh, is difficult. It, it, in some ways, it seems harder than other groups of people, other communities. I don't know if it is, but it seems that way. You know, usually groups that start up and community that happens in our world, there's some kind of an affinity. Certainly, we have the affinity of our faith in Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And yet, I don't know, Christian community seems tough. At times, it seems like it's not working more than it is working. And it, it can be a battle, right? We could get frustrated with that and, and struggle with it. And yet, the truth is, Jesus' intention for us is that we do create this community. He invites people into the family, and then he tells us to love each other, to accept each other, and to find unity in spite of the diversity. And that takes an effort. It takes a focus on him, but I also think it takes a focus on the mission that he's called us to. We're not just here as Christian consumers to get for ourselves what we need, though that certainly is part of it but God's really calling us to be transformed to the point where we are on mission for him, and we come together and join together to work at that mission together. There was a study done recently of uh, people that attended church for the first time and were trying to to choose a church, and about 90% of the people said that friendliness was a major factor when they're deciding where to attend church, and the reason for that is because I want to know as I go somewhere that I that I'm wanted there, that, that I could fit in there, that somebody's gonna reach out to me and embrace me and accept me, right? How important is that? Because our need to belong is so strong. Here at Mitchell Brien, we have a couple of things that we talk about. We talk about rows and circles, right? And on Sundays, on the weekends, we sit in rows and we listen and we learn together and we're, we're getting on mission together and we're, we're hearing from God's word together and we're growing together and that's so important. The spirit of God is here when we gather and the gathering is something we're supposed to be absolutely committed to. And so we gather and we know that's important. But the, the next thing we talk about is circles, where circles are where we sit in a group in life groups and we grow together. We build relationship. We help each other. Christian community is at the top of the list of importance in our lives. When we get feeling deficient spiritually, we feel like, man, God is not here in our prayers. We're unsettled inside. We got some anxiety, uncertainty. We don't feel healthy spiritually. A lot of times we try to blame exterior issues, right? What's going on? What's wrong? Well, that person and this and that. You know, we look for those uh, those things that a lot of times are just symptoms of the real issue. The real issue is that we're not taking the steps. We're not committed to the things that God has created for us so that we can be connected. We can know where we belong and we can be built up. And so God has created these things, not us. We just try to... Foster them here at Mitchell Brien. So we find belonging in the community Jesus created for us called the church. And the two keys to belonging to a community one is relationships where I know others and they know me, and I'm opening up my life to other people, and I'm open to their life and getting to know them, right? That's one key. A second key is that I know that I can make a contribution, I know what I can contribute to the community. It's absolutely essential for us to know that we fit in and that find belonging in a community. And so God took care of this because Jesus, as he left, told the disciples, hey, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to be a part of you. He's going to live in you. He's going to empower you. And the scriptures teach us that the Holy Spirit gives us a gift. He gives us a special ability that comes from him that is meant to build up church. And so we have a contribution to make. Belonging in the church is found by using your gift. In 1 Corinthians 12, I put it in the notes. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. But the whole chapter covers this issue. First of all, what is discussed is spiritual gifts. And the fact that upon entering into God's family through faith in Jesus, a spiritual gift is given to you where you are given a special ability. Again, it's meant to for you to use in the church to build the church up. And so this is talked about, the importance of it, and the importance of utilizing that gift, and realizing that you have that gift, and the church, in order to accomplish its mission, okay, that everyone's got to be contributing. You have to be contributing the gift that God's given you to this church in order for us to accomplish the mission. Then he goes into the second issue, which is that a lot of times, as we look at the spiritual gifts, we put some up, as more important than others. And we have, this, we have this tendency to say, well, just those spiritual gifts matter. And so Paul talks about the metaphor of the body. He says the family of God can also be viewed as a body of Christ. Jesus is the head. He's the brain. He's the one that gives us direction. And then each one of us are a part of the body. And then he goes into one of the issues that we have as people is we, we start saying, well, my gift isn't really needed. My part really isn't that important. And we start to make this differentiation. And so he says, listen, uh, if you're a hand, right, if you're a hand in the body, and uh, you would never say to the foot or to another part of the body, I don't need you because you're not the same as me. (laughs) And then he goes, "Uh, you know, you don't need a whole body of hands. We don't need to have four hands, right? It wouldn't work. Our body wouldn't function. Our body's meant to get things done. And so we need feet. And we also need all the parts of the body. And so he says, listen, you've got to understand that each part's important. It plays a role, and it's absolutely essential in doing the work that God has for the body to do. If you put your trust in Christ, you're part of the body of Christ. You have something to contribute. You have a special gift that's needed here. See, we have a large task before us. We have a mission to accomplish. We're not just here For ourselves, so that's part of it. We're here to find belonging in Jesus. We're here to find belonging in community, but we're also here to accomplish a mission. And it's so important that we live with an understanding of that. Why did God create the church? To accomplish the mission of God. To meet the deepest needs that each and every person has the need to belong. To belong to God, to belong to others. We kind of see this. Um, revealed to us as Jesus talks about the great commandment. You know, he's asked, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And first of all, he says, well, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love God. And secondly, he says, which is equally important, is to love your neighbor as yourself, which is to love people. And they're given as commands, but that's because we resist them. (laughs) What really the message is to us is that You need to worship God because you need God in your life. And you need to love people because you need people in your life. And so we find in those things God pushing us in the direction we need to go. Now this weekend we've uh, remembered, um, yesterday especially remembering... Um, what happened many years ago on 9-11 when our country was attacked from the outside by people, uh, a part of another religion, another belief system, attacking us, perpetrating an act of evil on our country, bringing about death and destruction, right? And it was traumatizing uh, for all of us that were alive watching that. And so we took the time to remember that and to remember those that lost their lives, to remember what that meant for our country. But I think one of the most important reasons to remember 9-11 for me is certainly to remember uh, the past. If we don't remember the past, um, we're not going to learn the lessons of the past, and so we need to remember that. But it's also to remember what happened after that event, and that is that our country came together and that we served each other. We looked out for the needs of each other, and we went after helping those people that we didn't even know because they were part of our country and we're connected to them. And I want to tell you that uh, we live in a time as Christians uh, of great crisis. You know, crises can bring out the best in us or the worst in us. But we live in a time of crisis and God has revealed to us what the crisis is and that is that the world around us, the people we interact with on a daily basis, are not headed to an existence connected with God, but they're, in, they're headed to an existence where they're gonna face judgment and they're not gonna have an answer to that judgment and they're gonna face an eternity separated from God. And that's a serious crisis. And yet Jesus has called us By rescuing us, he's called us to be a part of the rescue mission to go out and reach them. And we've got to be aligned together, understanding the purpose for our meeting and for our uniting together. It's to accomplish that mission. It's to work at it. Sitting on the sidelines, coming to church. Look, I want you to do that. But I want to push you a little bit to take a step to be a part of the mission of God to be a part of this church's efforts to accomplish that and to save other people and to, to rescue them and help them get connected to God. As we move into a growth campaign, I'm gonna ask some things from you, unashamedly. I'm gonna ask for some commitments. High commitment equals high growth, right? Uh, yesterday, there was a wedding here. Uh, Taylor and Malia got married, and, and it was a beautiful day, and weddings are so fun. Uh, everybody's full of love and excitement, and everybody's smiling so much. Their face hurts, you know. Weddings are awesome, But during the middle of that wedding, right, in that ceremony, we don't just base everything on the emotion, but we ask for what? We ask them to take vows that equal commitment because vows and commitment are actually what it takes to fulfill a marriage covenant. And so we ask for that. So I'm asking for commitment from you over this growth campaign. There's three commitments I wanna ask of you. First of all, commit to being here each week for the eight weeks of our campaign. We start the last weekend of this month. Being in church every weekend might be a big step, but I wanna ask you to make that commitment. Secondly, commit to being in a life group. We go through uh, teachings that mirror what we're learning on Sundays, and so it gives you that ability to interact in a group. Look, you're not in that group forever. It's just an eight-week period of time, but make a commitment to trying that out, to get in a group so you can grow, and we can grow together. And lastly, the key to all of this. And my main focus in all this is that we need to be, you need to be in a place of ministry. You need to be using your gift to serve. And I want that for you. I believe in that. And as hard as it might be, I want to continue to call you to consider that. So we're going to have a ministry fair during this fall campaign and lots of areas to serve, lots of things that you can do. But I just want to reiterate that your gift is needed here for us to accomplish the mission. God, thank you for letting us be a part of your church. Thank you for creating it, making it uh, into this amazing thing that though flawed and though uh, struggles at times, God, it's so good. It represents a life-giving place in this world where people can find belonging. They can understand that they belong to you and have a relationship with you uh, reconciled and fixed so that they know that they're right with you and can experience that the goodness that you bring into our lives, the forgiveness, the healing. And God, for this church, for a place to connect and to belong with others and to find a place to fit in and to contribute. And God, I just pray that you'd help us as a church to grow in these areas through this fall campaign. God, help us to connect with your word, connect with you, the person of Jesus, for it is your church. You started it. You sustain it and you call us to join in and be a part of it, and work together to reach the world around us. And God, we want to be a healthy, unified church, firing on all cylinders. And we know that that's impossible because we're flawed, sinful human beings. But God, we're praying that you would do a miracle here in our hearts, and that you would give us a vision for what you want to do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.